4: Ronananian. If you've got a tough time walking into a repair shop and you're you're under scrutiny and you're not made to feel welcome and you know, maybe that's not the shop for you. It's it's what are you looking for? My mama told me you better shop around. The Car Doctor. What are you going to go buy for five grand? I
3: know. I've been looking at not much. There's not much. Available that's any good.
4: Right. And you kind of know what you have.
0: Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, The Car Doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to
4: take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, 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 let's get started. Let's uh, welcome aboard, and thanks for being here to uh, allow me to partake with you this weekend on uh, what's going on with your automobile, your automobile questions. Let's go to David in Wisconsin. David, what's on your mind? Ron Ananian at your service, sir.
5: Hi, Ron. Well, we all know about the computer stuff, you know, going on. Yep. But I want to build... An older truck. Okay. Uh, A four-wheel drive. I got a few years before I retire, but I I wanted something that's dependable, three-quarter ton and hopefully a quad cab. But uh, I just don't know what year do they start putting the computers in a Ford. I want a Ford. And uh, for the engine swap, and I want to run a gas engine.
4: What are you trying to achieve, David, or is this just for fun?
5: Uh, I'm not. I don't want to build a mud truck or nothing like that. I want to possibly pull a trailer, you know, for camping and, and visiting the beautiful country of ours. You know what I, I want dependability.
4: So the the first issue that's going to come to mind, you know, and I'm not hijacking this call, but I'm just going to tell you this story. When I was in college, okay. I I drove a '72 Monte Carlo. I drove it yep. everywhere. All right, and there's many a time it broke, and I'd get out of the car and I had my tools with me. And I'd lock it up and I'd walk into the town or hitchhike to the town and get the parts that I needed if I didn't have it with me because I usually had stuff with me. And I'd bring it back and I'd fix it. And I could buy all the parts. The problem is, you know, to take a 72 Monte Carlo to Boston on a regular basis today would be difficult because I'd walk into a parts store and they'd look at me and go, what are points and condensers? Uh, You know, they just, they wouldn't have parts. So, you know, you've got to think if you're going to build this 79 or older, You've got to think, you know, it would be nice to have a modern day drivetrain so you could get parts for it or somebody could work on it. But yet it would be kind of old and cool and it didn't have a lot of computerization on it if you follow what I'm saying. That's
5: exactly what I'm looking for. Yeah. All right.
4: So, why don't we go back a little? Why don't we go back a little older? All right. Why don't we go into the 50s? I don't know how modern, well, you know, is that too is that too old, too boxy? My first truck was a '57.
5: Okay, (laughs) when I was 18. (laughs) So,
4: so so, you know, there's nothing like going home again, brother. All right, we get a '57. We we go buy a '57 Ford pickup, but we put a '75 Ford drivetrain in it.
5: Well, I I think you misunderstood. Go ahead. Um, '79 is the oldest I want to go. I I like the OBS. Let me a little background on me. I bought a '97 just a little while ago, a year and a half ago, but it was a California truck, I have access to California and Texas okay. to get vehicles. All right, but if so you rest free, but if you, but you go, they're out on the top. It, it, <laughs> it, if, if if you go
4: if you go '97, if you go newer than '79, it's going to have a computer on it. Or my not misunderstand. <laughs>
5: right the end of the year they started putting that uh, BCM or whatever well in it.
4: you know GM started computerization in 881 but certain Cadillacs had it as early as 76 so I mean if you don't want a computer on a car if you want nuts bolts points and condensers kind of stuff you've got yes. to, you've got to go older than 79 you've got to go you know 77 75 even I'm trying to remember now. I think Ford had electronic ignition back in the late '70s. So you're going to have ignition modules on distributors. You're going to have to go back if you're looking for points or if you're looking to put your own ignition system in. You know that's why I say, what are you trying to achieve? You're trying to make just an old truck, so you don't have to deal with computers, or you're trying to deal with something just a little bit older for classic nostalgia. What's you know what's the thought on your mind?
5: Well, I like my '97, but what happened was. It had the 460 in it and the Calvin chain cover cracked and it's got a darn sensor in it and it wasn't available in California. You know, they want to eliminate the big blocks. right? So Mm -hmm. am I just obligated to do a 90s, but make sure I get it from Texas that's got a federal motor?
4: I guess, but now you're going to buy something that's, let's see, a 95 Ford, let's say, if you buy a 95 Ford yep. to 95 2005 2015 20 you're buying something that's almost 30 years old. You got to think about yep. you got to think about parts availability. Ford won't have it. A lot of the stuff will come out of the aftermarket if the aftermarket has it. I had a customer this week at the shop with a 2001 Ford Ranger. 60,000 mile okay. truck. 60,000 mile truck. Nice little truck. It's got some yes, little. It's got some it's got some rod yep. on it underneath he uh, he just undercoated it with new hampshire oil undercoating and uh, he's hoping yep. that that preserves it to keep it going a little bit longer and the problem is he needs an abs controller the analog brake control module ford doesn't make yep. ford doesn't make it anymore it's obsolete there's one dealer well as of as of wednesday there was one dealer in the country that said they had it and by the time we got around to looking again at it thursday morning it was gone either that or their inventory got updated but here's a guy with right, a truck. Yeah. What does he do? Uh, you know, we we can't get parts for 20-year-old vehicles. How are you going to get parts for 25-year-old vehicles? That's why I'm saying if you okay. if, if you want to do something nostalgic, get something old, put a modern-day drivetrain in it. This way you can walk into a parts store and say, I need X, Y, and Z. I need an alternator. I need a starter. I need, you know, a widget to make this thing run. Yeah. And at least you got a chance yep. of survival. That's And then it's something old and cool. I don't know if you want to go that old. But, you know, it's either that or you're just going to put an, an old-school 302 in it with a carburetor and, and, and a three-speed trans, and that's – but I don't know if we can do that. You know, David, I don't know if we as a society, we could go back to driving three-speed, simple – I don't think people would enjoy that. You know, it's, it's, it takes too much effort to drive an older car now. You really have to be focused and attentive. And I I drive my old cars, and I say, my God, how did I do this full-time as a kid? I'm, I'm worn out.
5: <laughs> no, no, I, I hear you. And I want to leave it for my daughter. I have a 95 Trans Am I'm willing to sell because it's too much car for her. I don't want her to have it.
4: Right, right.
5: You, um, you know, so that was kind of my budget to get going. Right. You know, and I like a manual because... Half the world can drive one, right? It's, it's kind of a a safety, uh, security option. Listen,
4: there's no there's no rule that says you you can only have one old vehicle. Build one. You want another one? Build another one. You want another one? Build another one. Life's too short. Enjoy the ride while you can. You know what I'm saying?
5: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I do. My insurance guy keeps putting his hand out so. <laughs> no.
4: Well, that's okay. Listen, you can't take it with you. I've looked in the back of hearses. There's no. There's no piggy bank. You don't get to. You don't get to take it with you when you go. And my point becomes: don't procrastinate either. You know, don't go into analysis. Yeah. Don't go into analysis paralysis. Buy something, build it, and get it going. So, uh, you know, I'm floored by all the guys I know. The older guys I know that you know, they've got two or three older hot rods, big blocks this and big blocks that, and old rare Chrysler cars. You know, and they're in their 70s now. They're older than me, and they're like, yeah, I'm going to get around to it. I'm going to restore it one of these days. Dude, you're going to be dead one of these days. You know, it's like uh, build the car. Get going. Stop. Uh, Yeah.
5: Yeah. No, I I appreciate it. You know, it was a great conversation. Enjoy your show.
4: Thank you, sir.
5: Um, You got me something to think about. Yeah, I I, I hope I did.
4: I hope I didn't come down too hard on you. I hope I gave you something to think about. But it's like, you know, listen, if I was going to build an old truck, I guess a fantasy of mine would be I'd want to build a 50s truck uh, you know, with a modern-day drivetrain, and I'd put fuel injection in it, and I'd put a modern-day computerized uh, fuel delivery system in it, something that I could still get parts for, because parts are the key, and I would drive that as an everyday yeah. shop truck. I thought it would be a really neat thing to do. I've played around with taking my 97 Ranger and putting a V8 in it with a—you know, and doing the body work, and, you know, but it's—, it's I've already got three projects I'm in the middle of. I don't need a fourth, so it's for me, it's just a question of well, time. Well,
5: that's kind of what I want to do, but it's just bypassing the computer, I guess, is what I'm...
4: Right, well, you know, no, you I, don't want to...
5: i an LS motor in one. Well, you don't want to bypass
4: know, I, the computer because you want a modern-day drivetrain that you can get parts for. That's key. But you want something that you can upgrade yeah. and change. So it's just, you know, listen, I I, I question all these modern-day cars, and then I'm going to go, I question a lot of these modern-day hot rods that people think they're going to have 20 and 30 years from now, and I don't know where they're going to get the computer chips for them. You know, if it needs a module, it needs a computer. It's it's not. You're just not going to. You're going to have to, unless somebody comes out, unless they create an industry that's going to, you know, old-school electronics or something, I don't know if somebody's ever going to do that, but, uh, you know, so...
5: That's it, sir. I hope it helped you. Know, you. So, you, you did. You, you did. You gave me another train of thought there. Okay. And that's oh. always welcome.
4: You're very welcome. Thank you, sir. you be well. Take good care. Ron and Amy, The Car Doctor. We're back right after this.
2: At PurdueGlobal.edu. Don't call us.
0: That's right. If you call and we're not live, you can leave a message and we'll call you back to get you on the air with Ron. 855-560-9900. Speaking of Ron, here he is.
4: Hey, let's get over to Jim in Missouri 034 Taurus. Jim, welcome to the car. Doctor, sir. How can I help?
3: Hi there, thanks for having me on. You're welcome. So, it's like I say, it's an three 3 Um It starts to, it's intermittent, and very intermittent, but it'll start to cut out and lose power. And the engine light will come on, and it's P0193.
4: Fuel tank rail, fuel rail pressure sensor circuit issue. Too high. All right.
3: Yeah, so the pressure too high. So, I studied up on this, because I don't want to be a parts changer, and I decided it had to be the, the uh, fuel pressure regulator module. Okay, which which is mounted behind the passenger
4: seat in See, the back. Right, yep, 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 Yeah. A
3: lot of fun. So anyway, I changed that, gave it back to my sister. She lives an hour away and uh, ran fine for a day and then came back. It's still doing it. In the meantime, um, she went to a gas station. The car wouldn't start and had to be towed, and it was a bad starter. So that shop looked at this problem, and they're telling her it's a bad fuel pump. And... I told her not to do that part, and uh, she got the starter put on. And I drove it home. First 10 minutes, it was, ran terrible, and then it cleared up and ran perfect the rest of the way home.
4: Okay. So okay.
3: I want your opinion, because I don't understand how a fuel pump can put pressure too high. The sensor tells the computer to tell the module what to do.
4: Right, because this is a returnless system, so they're looking at fuel rail pressure to decide. They, they pulse with... Or they, they cycle the fuel pump. They don't just turn the fuel pump on. They control how, how, how long, how much, how high it allows pressure to build and maintain. So, okay,
3: that's how I understood it. I right. was trying to make sure. I'm yep,
4: right. yep. So if you go to the fuel rail pressure sensor, which is up on the rail, you turn the key on and you go across the white and the yellow wire at the, with a voltmeter and start the car, um, you know, and, and if you could do this with a fuel pressure gauge attached, if you have 40 pounds of fuel pressure, let's say, you'll see about two and a half volts at the sensor. That's the correlation. So you could okay. actually, if you had a scan tool, you could actually measure voltage of the fuel rail pressure sensor, what it's seeing, or what the computer's seeing. And then, you know, if you catch it in the act, if you could see, you know, seven volts and the max is supposed to be five, then, and the fuel pump, pressure is saying 48, you know that that's not right. You know that the sensor is out of whack. It's a bad sensor. See, this could be a bad sensor, nothing more, nothing less. But we can do a couple of tests. We can look at the correlation between actual fuel pressure and what the fuel pressure sensor is reading voltage-wise. And you can do that across the white and the yellow with a voltmeter. The other thing, yeah. to, the other thing to look at is, um, if you look at that fuel rail pressure sensor, there should be a gray and a red wire at the sensor. That's ground. Okay. If that's a bad ground, if we have a bad ground on something, electrical voltage, in most cases, tends to be high, right? Correct. So yeah. we could have a bad ground. So we could have a ground issue. All right? So you could you could go and take a look at that. All right? Gotcha. The key, the, the key will be trying to catch this in the act. That's going to be the problem.
3: Yeah. Right? I had a scanner on it today, and it's running 40 pounds right. um, based on the
4: scanner. Right. You know, which is normal, right? So good. So so while it's, it
3: showed it, it showed it showed that it had reached as high as eighty.
4: Okay. So so while it's working, do this. You know, you know that it's. You know, put it. Do you have a fuel pressure gauge? Yes. Okay. Put a fuel pressure gauge on the rail. Nothing like testing a car when it's not broken. (laughs) Right. Right. So so you write all your numbers down. Hook the fuel pressure gauge up. Reads forty. Go to the sensor. It reads whatever in your car. It reads 2.5, 2.6, 2.7, whatever it is. That's the way your car is. So 40 is 2.7, let's say. All right. Okay. Now, now, you know, now if the car, if you can catch the car in the act, or if you can come up with a way to maybe put a voltmeter on there and keep it on there permanent and put it on the front seat and you drive it, or you let your sister drive it and you show her how to put the voltmeter in record mode. Big deal. You wear out a nine volt battery. You can you can afford the three dollars, right? Right. And you know it will glitch if it glitches, and that's the other thing. You may see a glitch driving around with a DVOM, a good DVOM anyway. It'd be nice with a scope, but you probably you know I know I know I'm out of my realm here. Um, it right. It would be it would be nice if you could you know record it if you momentarily see a glitch up to eighty psi. Yeah, it's kind of hard for a fuel. Uh, usually, a fuel pump fails by now. It would have failed. All right. It it wouldn't be logical. Now, I will say this, in all fairness, is that the original pump? Uh, We bought it used, but to my knowledge, yes. Okay. Pump's 20 years old. Yeah. You know, um, because then the next problem you're going to have, do you have an O'Reilly Auto Parts by you? Yep. Go visit them and ask (laughs) ask ask them what's the best fuel pump module they've got. Because you, you know, I don't believe Motorcraft or Ford is going to make that part anymore. And you know, you've got a you know Delphi is a good brand. There's some good brands out there, but ask I would trust whatever O'Reilly Auto Parts says they sell, and they have no issues with because uh, gotcha. they're good. They're good people. But I would I would start lining that up, and I would also ask them about a fuel rail pressure sensor because again, we're dealing with an almost 20 year old vehicle now.
3: So. My, my theory was that when that sense, if the sensor is wrong and it's telling the computer we're at 80 pounds, it's going to have the pump running so slow that I'm running out of fuel. Yep. Would that
4: be a correct assumption? Exactly right. Because it's trying okay. to, you know, when it sees pressure going high, the computer's sitting there saying, hey, I can't use all this fuel. Let's slow the pump down. And, and right. n- now it's reaching 80 PSI. My God, there's no way. If, if 40 to 45 is my normal range, now it's double. Unless, unless the guy, the computer's saying to itself, unless this guy's got his foot to the headlights and he's trying to, you know, get home before the pizza gets cold, uh, I don't think he needs double the amount of fuel. I'm going to trim fuel back, and then you just essentially run out of gas. Right. See, right. don't don't confuse command. Command is what the sensor says. The sensor says, "I've got 80 pounds, or I need X because I've got X. I've got Y." What the pump actually says or does is another story. So you can actually look at both of them. All right? Do those things. Call me back. Let me know what happens. I'm curious. You'll be well. Take good care, Jim. Thank you very much. I'm Ron Amy, the car doctor. I'll be back right after this.
2: At PurdueGlobal.edu. Hey, 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 hey.
4: Welcome back, ronnie the car doctor, with the one and only, often imitated, never duplicated, Thomas Ray. We uh, we have way too much fun on this radio show. We really do. Uh,
0: you know, somebody said to me last week. You know, I like listening to you guys because, especially when you guys talk together, because you sound like you're having fun and you sound like you're, you know, you're. you're, you're you entertain, you joke around, and boy, if they could only see what happens
2: behind the scenes.
4: Behind the scenes, behind
0: the scenes. You know, we could probably sell
4: that. You know, it's uh, it's, uh, it's a phone call in the middle of the week at the shop, and I just pick it up, and Tom's like, hey, what's going on? I'm like, where are you? He, eh, you know, I'm hanging off the side of a tower 300 feet in the air out in Arizona or something, and uh, uh, the stories just go on from there. Let's see, where are we going this hour? Let's go over to Matt in Pennsylvania, 04 Lexus. Matthew, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? What's on your mind?
3: Hey, Ron, thanks for taking my call. Welcome, hey, Ron, sir. I have an opportunity to buy a 2004 GX470 Lexus, and okay. I heard you talking about you know, having trouble getting replacement parts for 20-year-old vehicles. You think I should think twice about that?
4: I think if you're okay with manufacturer parts, as long as you can get them, I think Toyota does a better job in some cases than Ford, Uh, quite honestly. I like Ford. I have Ford product in the family, but my experience has been, I'll see Toyota Lexus make parts a lot longer and more available. You know, pre-pandemic, I haven't tested this theory of late that I haven't really noticed as much with Toyota per se, uh, you know, versus Ford. I do know Ford seems to be having their issues. GM seems to be having their issues with parts. So, no, I think if you like the vehicle and you're prepared to, you know, deal with what you got to deal with, how many miles are on it?
3: 140,000. Okay. It, it, it's lo- it's locally owned. It was brought up from Texas.
4: Right. And if, if the tra- so pretty, if the if the trans pretty. failed tomorrow, it was 8 grand to put a trans in that car, would you? I'm playing what if. Um, with you. I'm playing what if.
3: Yep. Yeah, I I'd, I'd probably not to be quite frank with you.
4: Okay. How much ba- what are you paying for the vehicle? Uh,
3: I mean about 12,000.
4: Okay. So so now take now take twenty grand and go see what you can buy for twenty. Yeah, okay. All right. And when you find out I got, out, when I got you another
3: fi- question. Well, it's, yeah, it's fine. And when you
4: find All out right. you can't buy anything for twenty, go buy the Lexus for twelve and roll the dice. Twelve's cheap, man. Twelve's not a lot of money anymore. Okay. It really isn't. So yeah. second question.
3: Oh, okay. Another question. My wife had a two thousand eighteen Chevy Suburban. Okay. And the transmission went out at about 115,000 miles. All right. Um, I would say I would say she's pretty easy on a car. Right. What what, what could have made that go bad? Do you think, or is it
4: just one of those things? They have bad torque converters. They've had a torque converter issue. The GM trucks in the last six or seven years, they've had issues with converters. They've had issues with the transes. Um, I'm friends with the trans builder at one of the local GM dealerships, and Kevin's always got. Half a dozen or more trans is stacked up around them, you know, doing overhauls lately. Uh, they've, they've they've had their issues. Um, right now, the biggest problem in GM transmission world is just lack of parts. They're not able to get parts or assemblies. So, um, but then again, listen, my 04 Suburban, my 04 Suburban, and I tell the story like this, the one I've changed its diaper every day of its life for the past 19 years, puked the transit at 55,000 miles. It ha- wow. it happens, man. You know what I looked at? Yeah. The the trans the 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 GM reman trans was three grand. I couldn't replace the vehicle for less than fifty. You know, I I put a trans okay. in it, and I'm still driving it to this day. I think, was... new,
3: I think the new, I think the new trans we're putting in is now about fifty six hundred dollars.
4: Right. Yep. Yep. GM dealer doing Does that it. Sound right to you? GM. Yeah, it's about right. GM dealer yes. doing it. Yes. Ask him, and ask them why did it fail. Say hey, I, I hear you guys have some torque converter issues. See what they say to that because they do. They may not admit it, but they do. And yeah, ask them what the warranty I is did, on that. I did have
3: a, Okay, I did have an extended warranty on it. It was just over. We were at one hundred fifteen thousand miles and it was covered up to one hundred thousand, so we missed it.
4: So. All right. Yeah.
3: Probably
4: nothing else we can fall back on, right? No, no, they they you got to fall on your sword on this one, brother. But it's cheap it's cheaper than it's cheaper than another car. The question is and the the key element here and I can't stress this enough is you want a GM certified trans. You want a factory unit. You don't want anything aftermarket, you don't want anything from uh you know a, a salvage yard. You want you want a fresh GM trans right from the manufacturer and that should give you i believe don't quote me on this you'd have to look it up but i believe that gives you a 3 year minimum 50,000 mile warranty maybe 100,000 mile warranty okay right.
3: i'll check that I, I had my mechanic i had my mechanic handle all that right. and that's exactly what he ordered
4: for right me. so but that's and that's what you want and then uh, just just remind him i'm sure he'll know make sure he flushes the trans cooler because there's going to be contaminant up in there you know when the trans failed it uh, it it usually puts fluid up through the cooler, and uh, it'll put contaminant through the cooler. And by the same token, it's an 18. It's now going on five years old. It's got 115,000 miles on it. If the trans cooler is built into the radiator, maybe now's the time to put a radiator in it. Just just throwing it out there. You know, I I look at okay. th- I, I look at things as systems. You know, um, heat is yeah. critical. Heat makes things wear out. And again, I would strive for a good quality radiator while I can still get one. We're going to be hanging on to our cars a lot longer, you know, Matt? It's it's just so yeah. obvious to me that, you know, there's just no... I heard a story the other day um, along the lines of how hard is it to find cars. A gentleman drove seven hours to a Lexus dealership, walked in the door. The, the, the dealership knew he was coming. The, the gentleman walked in the door, looked in the corner. There was an LS LS 600, I think it is um he 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 was coming specifically for that car was advertised on their website he walked in the door looked to the right saw the car i'll take it didn't sit in it didn't drive it <laughs> didn't start it took took out his checkbook the dealership said it's x, x number of dollars plus a thirty thousand dollar market incentive the guy said who do i make the checkout to think about that one wow staggering yeah. right staggering Yes. I, I, I'm seeing anywhere from five dollars to $30,000 market incentive cars out of dealerships now just because there's such a shortage, and it's going to get worse. I don't want to be doom and gloom, but I'm telling you, it's going to get worse. You've been driving a couple of years, right? How many? this This, yes. this time of year, don't you usually see deals for closeouts on 22 model? You would see the previous model year closeout, right? 22s? Where's all the deals? Yes. There's no cars. Drive-by car dealerships. Look carefully at how the car dealership has the vehicles lined up. They're usually parked at an angle, and there's one and a half spaces between each vehicle to give the illusion that they have cars. The majority of them are running short on cars. Not their fault. It's the manufacturers who can't get it because there's no chips. The American automobile industry is 3.5% of the domestic gross product in this country. You're going to see major economic impact if they don't get this thing straightened out soon. It's going to be really interesting. But in the meantime, we all have to drive. We all need cars. So, fix it. I wouldn't be asking a yeah. mechanic what's the least you could do. I would ask him to go over the truck and make sure you get another hundred thousand miles out of it.
3: Okay, great.
4: All right, sir. You be Thanks well. A lot, Ron. You're, I very your help. You're very welcome. You're very welcome. You too. be well. Take good care. 855-560-9900. The car doctor's cruising back right after this.
2: at PurdueGlobal.edu She's real fine my
6: four oh nine she's real fine my four oh nine my four
4: Welcome back. Well, Ronnie, The Car day. Doctor here at 855-560-9900. By the way, it's The Car Doctor's 24-7 toll-free number. You can call, leave a message, and Tom Ray will call you back and put you in the next live queue. We are live on the network, Saturdays, 2 to 4 p.m. East Coast time. And I should point out, we've been talking about this. We've got to get our act together. We're going to be on vacation. There's going to be a week in August, but we're going to give you guys two fresh shows. So we're going to be looking for calls during the week. If you've got the ability to call in during the week at night, we don't know what night of the week we're going to do this. By all means, call 855-560-9900. Leave Tom a message, and we'll get you in the broadcast for the vacation show, as we call it, and uh, be fresh shows, good questions, good answers. Uh, just just uh, you know, just, We just want to keep you guys up to date. Uh, that's what we're looking to do. So help the car doctor go on vacation. Call in um, so you don't have to listen to Tom talk about cars. I can only imagine. Let's uh, let's go to Bruce in Virginia, 15 Audi, and uh, see what's going on here in No Start. Bruce, welcome to the car, doctor, sir. How can I help? Good
7: afternoon. Yeah, I have a uh, 2015 Audi Q7. It's a diesel turbo. And uh, I parked the car for approximately three weeks. And so I went out to start the car. Uh, it has just just to run it and uh, it has a uh, keyless entry and keyless ignition you you know you simply sit in the seat put your foot on the brake and hit start and it preheats and starts everything up right so <clears throat> i went to start it and it it acted like the the battery was low and 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 the starter was dragging and then it actually did not start so i uh, put a battery charger on it and the second I put the battery charger on it, the lights came on and the horn started honking. And it did that for about uh, four. three or four minutes. Okay. Then uh, the, the horn stopped honking. The lights stayed on. And I left the charger on it for a period of time at a two amp, just a slow charge. And I went back out an hour or so later, and um, it still... Seemed low and it wouldn't start. I even tried to boost it a little bit and it, it still wouldn't start. And then, I then you can manually put the key in the ignition. So I did. I put the the key in the ignition, and then the uh, the now I can't get the key out of the ignition. It's like it's locked in the ignition, and the dashboard lights stay on all the time
4: my my i would i would my first question would be is what kind of shape is the battery and if the battery voltage is low i've seen that malfunction occur where it will actually lock up and not let the key be released is it a fresh battery is the battery charged to level or you don't know now because it, it won't crank
7: well it's when i look at the charger it shows good i i did not put a voltmeter on it but it is a new battery i replaced the battery about I'm gonna say 13
4: months ago. Okay. Well, we all we all know what new means. The last time you tried cranking this, it didn't crank well. Correct.
7: Well, it, everything was fine. Uh, it was you know it was we were driving it daily.
4: No, 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 no. Except, the last the last time you attempted to start this when it didn't start, you just said that it it cranks. It still cranks slow after you had charged the battery
7: uh no no it, it it did not crank slow it didn't crank at all so it sat for three weeks i attempted to start it it dragged it did not start i then put the battery charger on it for you know an hour or so uh i felt like it would have been long enough you know <clears throat> the charger showed good i tried to start it and it doesn't even attempt to start
4: okay when you say the charger showed good bruce What what sort of test does the charger run? Is it putting a load on the battery, or it's just telling you? It's just showing you voltage.
7: It's just showing voltage,
4: right? So, it's it's just showing. I can show you two dozen batteries that read twelve and a half volts, and the minute you put any kind of load on them, they drop like a stone. So it's it's it's. I don't know if that's a valid test. I wouldn't take that as a valid test in the shop. I wouldn't consider it a valid test. So let's 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 cut to the chase before the clock takes me. The fact that the battery ran down. There's a possibility that under slow cranking and duress, you've now set some false codes in the vehicle that's keeping it from starting. So, A, you've got to get the battery charge up to level. B, that was, should release the key. If it doesn't, you've got to get it somewhere that they can scan it to see what fault codes are in there. Because I think the first part of the problem is, the, from the sounds of your description, from what you're describing, the battery was low on charge. Low on charge will, will, in some cases, set false codes, lock the key, and prevent the vehicle from starting. Once you get a good battery in it or a battery up to level, the key out so that things start to function normally again, then we can decide, is there an additional problem? I don't think there will be. I think, I think from your, what you're describing, this is a battery problem um, as long as the fuel in the tank is correct and there was no animal intrusion or critter involvement while the vehicle sat. I wish I had a better answer for you, brother. Um, But, you know, that's basically where I think you're going. Those are the things you've got to do in order to get this car back on the road. Do that. Call me back next week. 855-560-9900. Let's pull over and take a pause for the cause. I'll be back right after this.
2: at purdueglobal.edu. No Welcome
4: back. I name The Car Doctor. I'm reading an article. Tom said, no, this came from research, Kathy, about the city of Pasadena. The city of Pasadena is adding more vehicle charging stations. They've got 44 direct charging stations at a municipal parking garage, and they're adding, now we're thinking about adding level 2 charging. They've got level 3 possible, oh, I'm sorry, DCF for Level 3 charges make it possible for electric vehicle drivers to charge up and add up to 100 miles in less than 30 minutes. Charging from a Level 2 will be completed overnight. Um, they're talking about adding 14 Level 2 charges. They've got 14 Level 2 charges. They're talking about adding more at various fire stations around town. And the point of the article was that they're now charging people to actually charge their electric vehicles at these charging stations, which kind of makes sense. I disagree with one point in the article because it says... Um, They talk about that people are buying more electric vehicles over gas-powered to reduce pollution, conserve energy, and save money. I don't know how we're conserving energy if the electricity for EV vehicles... uh, What was the number Mark Mills told us? 10% comes from solar and and renewable, and the rest comes from coal, natural gas, and nuclear? I don't know how that's saving energy. Um, I'm still trying to get over the comment we had last week about if, if five people show up at your house with different cars and everybody needs to charge their car at once... How will they do it based on the amount of electricity you have or the electrical service you have in your house? It just uh, it doesn't make any sense to me. So, But um, that's what's going on out in Pasadena. Uh, they're going to uh, charge you for electric energy. Um, I didn't read the article that I wanted to about in Texas. Uh, Texas municipalities have asked people not to charge their electric vehicles because they're having a power shortage this summer. And they're saying that they're afraid that they're going to bring down the grid, which is fragile. And they shouldn't uh, they shouldn't charge their electric vehicles at all um, I'm not sure how they're going to get around I the, the insanity continues till the next time I'm Ron Aney and the car doctor reminding each and every one of you good mechanics aren't expensive they're priceless see ya you